If you would open your Bible with me to uh, Psalm 139. I read a little bit out of that to start off with. We're going to continue there. Psalm 139, I want to read the word and uh, pray over it. Bless it as we receive it today. I'm going to start in verse 7. That's where I left off a minute ago. Psalm 139 in verse 7. It says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you open, your, open our eyes today to the wonders of it. Spirit, incline our ear to what you would say and unite our hearts in your presence. I thank you that you build us up today and you continue to lead us in the path of life and light and love. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And as I was going through uh, notes and study, even back in December, uh, knowing that we were going to observe this today, I began to think on it and pray about it. And uh, the Lord had taken me to Psalm 139, which I just read a large portion of that to you. And then last Sunday... Uh, in what we call our early service, which is just where some of us get together uh, well before church starts, about 930 uh, to visit over here in the cafe about the Lord, about the things of the kingdom. Uh, Marty and I were talking and she brought up Psalm 139, uh, the part I read to close out worship in verses one through six. And then in, on Monday night at Overcomers, it was on the screen when Matt shared uh, his testimony. And then Danny led, you know, to, to elaborate on that uh, later, I was like, Lord, we're just on Psalm 139 right now. It's the tune that's being struck. And so I was really glad that I already had him in my notes. But even if I didn't, I'd still be riding the wave. But I went there reading over this again, starting in verses one through six, which I read earlier. It basically says, Lord, you see me. You know me. I am known to you. And then it picks up in verse seven, which we just read. And he says, where, where can I go that you're not already there? Where in this world in my life can I go that you're not there? And, and we can identify with that, right? We cannot be paying attention. But whenever we pay the smallest bit of attention, we realize you're right here. I didn't expect you to be right here. I didn't think that you would be right here. But you're right here. I can't hide even in 
the darkness or be lost even in the darkness. Because as the psalmist said, even the darkness is not dark to you, O Lord. Where can I go? And then verse 13, it was you that created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now, when it says inward parts right there, that word actually in the Hebrew translates kidneys. Kind of weird, right? But we've talked about that uh, idiom that they would use. You know, we would say, you know, I love you with all of my heart or it touched my heart. They would refer to the deeper viscera of a person for the seat of the emotions. And so when he says there, you formed my kidneys, you formed my inward parts, he's meaning my, my core or even what we talked about to end last year, my soul. You formed my inward parts within me. You knit me together or covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made or fearfully and wonderfully made to where we can. You look at your foot and think he made that. There's a lot going on there just in your foot. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You made my, my bones were not hidden from you. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. You saw me when I was yet formless and all my days were written in your book, your book of life, your book of remembrance. We don't have time to dig into that today, but it's a really good thing to have your name written in his book. It says, I am known, I'm seen, I was intended, there was a purpose for me, I was not accidental, you were not unknown, you were not without value. And then in verse 17, God, how precious your thoughts are to me, and how vast their sum is, or how heavy your thoughts are to me, how precious they are and how vast they're some. The thoughts that he thinks about us, the psalmist said, if he could count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. He says, when I wake up, I am still with you. And so we think we have this image of the psalmist laying on his bed and recounting how God sees him, knows him and loves him. And he's like, when I wake up, you're still going to be there. Whether it's every night when he goes to sleep or that last night we go to sleep when we wake up in glory saying, when I wake up, you are there and we can read this. And again, I think that's one reason why it's been uh, repeated over and over. And obviously I've told y'all when something's repeated like that, I try to pay attention because the Lord is wanting to communicate something in that repetition. What a blessing and a comfort for us to read this as a believer. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling unknown, if you're feeling despised, like you're losing or have lost your value, if you're if you're depressed, if you're afraid, you can read the thoughts that the Lord thinks towards you, that he sees you, knows you, loves you, that he intended you and you can be strengthened and encouraged. He can bring about perseverance to know that he sees us and he is with us. And he has been even before you were you, even before you were formed. He was thinking about you. 
And you can't go anywhere where He can't reach you. You can't go anywhere where He can't touch you. And so I pray, Lord, that may, may this be settled in our hearts, each one of us. Amen. And then I also want to call our attention to the very top of that psalm, if you're looking at it. There on your screen, there on the page, where it says chapter 39 or Psalm 139 and verse 1 above that. Yours may say, for the choir director, a psalm of David. Right? Did you say that? And so David wrote this when he's writing this, all the I's and me's and my's in his mind are him. They're all him. And thank God we can read it and make it personal to us. We can apply it to ourselves and we do that really well with the word. We can put ourselves in there in the I and the me and the mind. That's good and that's right. As a believer, we've been uh, made to be partakers of that. We don't have enough time to go into that. But it's been settled into our heart that we, we who have been reconciled to God can put our name in there. And that's again, that's not something we have a lot of trouble with. We like putting ourselves in there. And it's good because it renews how we see ourselves, our opinion of ourselves, our perception of ourselves. And that's good. We need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. What about the other people in our life? What about the people sitting next to us, around us? What about the people that we work with? What about the people that we cross paths with? See, because it doesn't just, shouldn't just shape our view of ourselves, but it should also shape our view of others, our understanding of them and our valuation of them. How do we esteem them? How do we value them? How do we view the others that God has put in our life. Do we look on them through the lens of Psalm 139 like we do when we apply it to ourselves? Again, we should apply it to ourselves. That is good and that is right. It's going to encourage you. It's going to build you up. This is how God sees you. He is there for you. And when you have begun to understand that, even in part or walk in it, even in part, the next step is, well, wait a second. If he sees me and loves me like that, how does he see and how does he think about the people that I get to see on a daily basis or a regular basis? And we think on that. It's good for us to think on that so that it'll change how we walk. Right. Psalm 90 says, teach me to number my days so that I can walk in wisdom that I think on this so that it will have an effect on how I view everything else. Jesus when he was asked, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? So Matthew 22, he said, what's the greatest commandment? Remember, they were trying to trap him. Well, if he picks one, we can say he picked the wrong one. And then we'll be able to argue with him because they were trying to say that Jesus wasn't teaching the right thing. He said, what's the greatest commandment? And he quoted the Old Testament. He said that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the greatest commandment. And then he didn't stop talking. He said, the second one is like it. And he quoted the Old Testament again, that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, the first commandment is that you love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind. And the second one is like it, that you love your neighbor 
as yourself. And then these commandments came up again. If you read in the book of Luke, they came up again and they said, well, love your neighbor as yourself. That's good and fine. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And he told them a story, the parable that we know as the parable of the good Samaritan, right? And the moral of the parable was your neighbor is whoever is in front of you, even if they're vulnerable, even if they're in need, even if you wouldn't normally get along. That's your neighbor. They're trying to find out, Okay, we want to know what the rule is so that we can follow it so that we can stay out of trouble. Who is our neighbor? And he basically responds, he goes, who isn't your neighbor? Who would you wall off and say that person's not my neighbor? Your neighbor is the person in front of you. And when he told the story, we I have time to go into it. Most of y'all heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus asked them. He asked the question at the end. He said, who was a neighbor to this wounded, vulnerable man? Who was a neighbor to him? And they answered and said, the one that showed him mercy. The one that showed him mercy. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, Mark says, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How is the second one like the first one? And I believe reading Psalm 139 and reading what Jesus said is that he, he, God, sees our neighbor, the one in front of us, as valuable, as important. As worthy of dignity and respect, right? Known, even the vulnerable, seen and known by God the Father. Who is, who is my neighbor? Who isn't your neighbor? The one who's right in front of you. So when we're talking about Sanctity of Life Sunday, Sanctity of Life Sunday was instituted in January of 1984, 39 years ago which means some of y'all are going to be turning 40 soon. It was instituted in 1984 by then President Ronald Reagan, first instituted by him. On the 11th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade. The Roe v. Wade decision was on January 22nd, 1973. 50 years ago today. That's a long time, right? 1973, January 22, 1973. And since then has been observed by the church close to that date, on the Sunday closest to that date. And and we know that Roe v. Wade was when the Supreme Court ruled that the U.S. Constitution conferred the right to choose to have an abortion. Now, I know that when we begin to talk about some of these things, it, there's a little bit of discomfort that, I don't know, can we be talking about it? Are we going to get political? We're going to be biblical. Amen. That's what we're going to be. If it touches on political things, we'll have to touch on them. And we'll do it in a biblical way, but we don't step away from something just because it may make people uncomfortable. Because when we talk about sanctity of life, our neighbor... It's, remember, we've used the word before. It's an Imago Day issue. Imago Day, image of God issue. Because we believe 
As Christians, we believe from the Bible that we are all created in the image of God to image him to his creation. Now, we know that that was completely and totally that image broken and marred by sin. But that Jesus and what he did begins to put that image back together. But it's an Imago Dei issue. It's a second commandment issue, not a second amendment issue. That'd be a different topic. A second commandment issue to love your neighbor as yourself. Who who is you know, who is my neighbor? It's the one right in front of you. It's the vulnerable. It's the hurting. It's the one who needs help. That is our neighbor. And what I've realized is one of the reasons when you start talking about this, that people get uncomfortable is the conversation a lot of times just blows up. Right. It can get intense and it can get wild and it can get, if we're being honest, ugly. Right. And we realize why that happens, why that's able to happen, why it's hard to have a conversation about these things is because there are people that live in a different reality. They're living in a different reality and we can't come to agreement on terms. And if we can't come to an agreement on terms, it's hard to have a discussion, right? It's hard to have a discussion because when I look, what I see is a baby. That's what I see. From conception, I see a baby. That is what I see. I don't see a clump of cells. I don't see a decision. I see a baby. That's what I see. I see a baby that we know through, through, through uh, medical research, scientific research, that as early as eight weeks old can suck his or her thumb in the womb. That as early as eight weeks old can respond to sound and recoil from being poked or pricked. That as early as eight weeks old has all his or her organs present, has brain function, has a heartbeat pumping blood on its own, has kidneys filtering fluid as early as eight weeks old, has their own fingerprint and their own DNA. I see a baby. That's what I see. I see a tiny image of God. I see a little bitty vulnerable neighbor that is worthy of love and dignity, respect and protection. That's what I see. And as I read in Psalm 39 and throughout the rest of the scripture, I see that he sees it that way. I see that he sees it that way. And you can try to change terms. You can try to use different words. You you can try to call something something else. But here's what I've learned. You can change the word for pain, but you can't make it not hurt. Change the word. Call it something else. But if it's pain, it's still going to hurt. You can change its name. You can't make it not hurt. Right. They try. Medicine, we try. You're going to feel some pressure. What does that mean? This is about to hurt. <laughs> but we're going to call it pressure. 
Well, there was some fluid. What does that mean? You were bleeding everywhere. <laughs> Just you, you freak out if I say you were bleeding everywhere. If I say there was some fluid. We can change the name, but it, it is what it is. It is what it is. In Romans 1, would call that, uh, or would remind us at least, that we attempt to suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. And again, I know. This is one of those where it's like, this is heavy, not really, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have these conversations because it is that important. I read a quote, and I read it last year, that abortion is an attempt to shatter the authority of yesterday's decisions. Abortion is an attempt to shatter the authority of yesterday's decisions and or actions. Now, it doesn't do that. It can't. But that's the attempt. See, people are promised many things. Right? They're promised an escape. They see a celebration. This is going to be great. And then they get to the end of it. And what they get is lasting physical and emotional pain and trauma. When we talk about this, we need to hear and know the truth. And the fact of the matter is, it's traumatic. It's painful. It's awful. It's sinful. And now hear me even more when I say this. If you have ever been there, ever been involved, ever been even remotely related, that can bring guilt and shame right on top of your head. And here's what I need you to hear. I need you to hear that it's awful. I need you to know that. But I also need you to know you nor I have out sinned the cross of Christ. We have all sinned against him. But none of us does he look at and say, I mean, the cross and everything, and, but no, for you is too far. He doesn't do that. You have not out sinned the cross of Christ. Hear that it's awful, because it is. And hear at the same time that where sin abounded, grace has much more abounded. That's what the scripture says. He is the only one who can shatter the authority of yesterday's decisions. We all have decisions we've made, whether related to this or anything else. We all have decisions that we have made that we really, really wish we had made differently, don't we? Really do. And if we had to talk through them, we would be embarrassed and ashamed and just like, I really, I made some terrible decisions. He is the one that is able to shatter the authority of your yesterday's decisions. You don't have to live under the authority of those poor, foolish, rebellious decisions that you made because of His goodness, because of His grace, and because of His love. He is the only one. If you've ever been there, He is the only one 
who can shatter the authority of yesterday's decisions. Amen. So last year, in the summer, the Supreme Court overturned the Roe versus Wade decision. So 49 and a half years after it was put into place, they overturned it. And in many states, they had already begun to limit abortion as much as they could without being told by the Supreme Court that they had gone too far. And states like Arkansas had put in uh, bills that said, if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned, then abortion will immediately be banned in this state. And that took place in Arkansas. So once it was overturned, abortion immediately banned in the state with the one exception of to save the life of the mother. And so as Christians, we are incredibly thankful for that. We are. And as a Christian, we don't just want abortion to be illegal. How many of you know murder's been illegal for millennia? Right? It's been illegal for millennia. I, me, personally, I don't just want abortion to be illegal. As a Christian, I want it to be unfathomable. That's the goal. The goal isn't just to say, we're going to make this illegal for you to do this. That's a great step because that's going to keep some of them from happening. But the goal is that life in Christ in the way he sees and speaks about the world becomes the way that we see and speak about the world. And so it gets to the point where life is held with so much value that if that anything like that is ever mentioned, people would go, oh my gosh, no. Not that it be illegal, but that it be unfathomable. And again, how do we get there? Kingdom, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Renewal first of our hearts and then out from us as we interact and love on others and change the way that people see people. Because when Christians are loving our neighbors, when Christians look at life the way that Christ looks at life, the way that he treats it, the way that he cherishes it, that he demonstrated how much he loves people based on what he did. That is a bright light in a dark time. And here's the other thing that I know. He, he, he's seen all of us. He's seen how we're wired. He knows how that works. And everybody responds to the light. I'm talking about the true light of Christ born out in us. Amen. Because again, the law, you look at the Ten Commandments, a, a, a law restrains, is made to restrain us from our worst urges. It's like, well, I want to do that, but you know, it's against the law. They'll chop my hand off, I'll, you know, death. It, it's against, the, so it's, it's restraining me against my worst urges. What Christ came to do was completely transform our hearts so that what we used to have to be restrained from is now unfathomable for us to walk in. Because he has changed us so significantly by his grace. And so with that, man, that's a lot. Where do we start? Where can I start? Because see, a lot of times when you're talking about big situations or big things, we get overwhelmed with what we cannot do, don't we? 
Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, how am I supposed to help? I can't do that. I can't do that. Instead of focusing on what it is that we can do. We overlook what we can do, right? And, and some of the things we could do, we talked about last week. We need to stir up the gift of God's grace that's on the inside of us for our benefit and for the benefit of those around us. We need to read the word in faith and we need to serve others with genuine love. God, help me to see other people the way that you see other people. Help me to grow in that. And we do it as each one of us is able. He's given each one of us different abilities, different positions in life where we have access in places where the other one might not. And we serve as we're able and we grow and then we see that grow on the inside of us. And it's a slow plodding change. But at at the end of your life, you look back and you say, oh, man, there were some things that got done. Right. Because like we've talked about. Our spiritual growth, our spiritual development is not just about us. It's not just about getting us to a place where we're out of the fire, just getting us to a place where we're comfortable, getting us to a place where our life isn't crazy anymore, as chaotic as it used to be, and and there's more peace in it, and there's more joy, and there's more rest. It, It is about that, but it doesn't stop there. When we get strong, He starts to pour us out into people that are weak so that they can be strong. And that's where the love your neighbor comes in so heavily, whether we're talking about for the babies, the children or anybody, the elderly or anybody in between. Who is my neighbor? Who is not your neighbor? And one of the ways we we are going to focus on when we get to Sanctity of Life Sunday is our support for the Hannah Pregnancy Resource Center. We were talking about overcomers. So in 2021, maybe the fall of 2021, uh, I met Jackie Stratton. I was here for a meeting at Overcomers, and somebody said, "Hey, there's a lady over here. She wants to she wants to meet you. She was asking about you, and she said, "I've been trying to get in touch with you." I'm like, hey, here I am. She's like, "I'm with Hannah PRC. Here's some of the things that we do. We used to have a connection here. We haven't. We've been out of contact for a little bit because we haven't been providing services in Camden. We're wanting to get back to that. Can we reach out to you?" give you some information on what it is that we're doing and see how maybe you could partner with us. And so we began to do that last year and I read their mission statement. I'll read it here in front of you as we were reconnected to them, the Hannah Pregnancy Resource Center. Their mission statement is communicating Christ's love by providing life affirming services for those facing pregnancy decisions while upholding biblical standards for sexual integrity and reducing at-risk behaviors by encouraging parenting and life skills. That all sounded good to me. That they're communicating Christ's love by providing life-affirming services to those in their area who are facing pregnancy decisions while upholding Biblical standards of sexual integrity and also teaching people, hey, here's some ways to reduce risk in your life. Here's wisdom on how to reduce risk behaviors and also encouraging parenting and life skills and training. One of their philosophies is they don't turn anyone away. They offer free pregnancy tests. They offer limited ultrasounds where you can see that baby that's hidden Away, you can see. You know, that was something that we couldn't do in 1973. They couldn't see that baby in there. 
They couldn't see the form of what they were talking about in the mother's womb. And they let, they let the client see the baby that is on the inside of them. They do parenting classes, a lot of parenting classes. They do STD testing, which can be a scary time, right? If you think that's not an issue going on in our community, it definitely is. It absolutely is. And they offer confidential help. They offer counsel and direction. If somebody's abortion-minded, which by the way, they have uh, their information. If you Google abortion in South Arkansas, their webpage is going to pop up. Not because they provide it, but because they want people who are that, of that mind in this area to come to them first. Because they're going to give them some counsel of what is this that you're asking about? What happens when you do it? What are the side effects of it? What are the potential for issues? What are the other options? What else do you have available to you? And they will never, ever refer someone to an abortion provider. They'll refer them to a doctor. You need Okay, if you're still of this mind, you need to go see your doctor. They give adoption and parenting counsel and info. Help, right? We need help. Especially the, the more, of our, more of a crisis situation we're in, the more help we need. Some of the numbers that they gave us, and then I've got a short video I want you to see that they, they provided so you'll, you'll be able to kind of know. But over, the, over a 12-month period, which their, their figures here were from October 2021, which is about when we met Jackie, to October of 2022. And that's just where they measure theirs, okay? They did 209 pregnancy tests, 192 ultrasounds, They provided 2,161 parenting and life skills classes. A lot of online classes that they're able to assign to people in our community who are like, I, I need some help. I need some assistance. You're giving me this information. I want to, 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 to walk this way. I don't know how to do it. Hey, here's some things you need to know. Because they may not have that person in their life that says, okay, when the baby's doing this, you need to do this. Okay, you you need to do this every day. You need to do this once a week for this child. This is how you best care for them. And they just don't know. Over 2,000 of those classes that they provided. Again, mostly online. That 16 abortion-minded women choose life. 16. Just in our area. This is Eldorado, Camden, Magnolia. 16 who said that was what they were looking for. Choose life. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Look what Jesus did with 12 folks following him around. 16 people and there were 42 clients that made a profession of faith. 42 that said, I see Jesus in what you're telling me. And what you're sharing with me. And I want that in my life. I want that to be my life. 42. They offer recovery services. We're talking about with overcomers. They deal with people who are struggling with addictions. Specifically drugs. The babies, right? Very much. 
Her, her, her main mission is going into the jails and ministering to the women who are in there. They're not, not even pregnant, most of them, I'm sure. And she said, what we realized is we can wait until they get in a crisis. But we've backed it up and we've said, who's most likely to get into this crisis and need our help here? We want to back it up a little bit and help them as early as we can. We want to go in there. And again, tell them what we see in Psalm 139. Look, you're not here on accident. You matter and you have value to him and to me. And I want to help you walk in all that God has for you in your life. I don't want you to walk in these painful ways anymore. I want you to know that there's better for you in him. Amen. And they make that a big part of what they do. They provide post-abortion counseling and care. Some people don't come to them until after. And they love on them most of all. They take care of them most of all because they know you're physically wounded. This is a This is a big deal. Then you're emotionally and spiritually wounded by We want to help you. We want to help you. That again, you have an outsend the cross of Christ. There is life and life abundant for you on the other side of this in Him. So how can we help? First, we can pray. We can pray for them. We can pray for their mission. You can go on their website, hannahprc.com. Did I write that down? Yeah. HannahPRC.com. You can go on their website and you can subscribe to be put on their prayer notification list. They said you can pray for us in general, uh, but there are oftentimes we have specific needs. And if you would like to be a part of that, you can sign up there. We are going to give. We they mentioned the baby bottle campaign. Uh, we're, we're not going to participate and give everybody a baby bottle because I don't think we have to do that. But what I will tell you is for the next... Uh, at least three weeks, so starting today and carrying on for three weeks, uh, you have the opportunity here in the service, just like you normally do with your giving, the plates in the back. We don't pass them, but the plates in the back. Uh, if you want to give cash, you can use the envelope that is on the back of one of the seats and just write your name on there and Hannah, and it'll be included in the total that we send to them. Or you can put it on the memo line of your check and it'll be included in the total that we send to them. One thing that was helpful last year was using uh, change. So the bucket's going to be back out there in the foyer next week. Uh, if you've got you know, a bucket of change in your car, on your dresser, at home, that hasn't been enough for you to do anything else with, but it's big enough that you hadn't you know, been able to get rid of it, and you want to bring that, uh, you can donate that to them. We'll collect it all together, get it counted, and include that in what we send to them. If you want to give online, you can do that through our website. Just put it in the special note or instruction. Or the other thing you can do is you can go to their website and hand a PRC and give it to them directly, electronically. Just select the baby bottle campaign, and they, they give you the option to be able to put our church's name in there so they know where it's coming from. We want to support them. It's something very, very neat that's happened in the last year. Uh, first, it, they, I told you they offer services in El Dorado. And in Magnolia, and they said, we want to come back and be back in Camden. They were previously here, haven't been for a few years. And the interesting part about that is that wasn't driven by having somebody on their board that was from Camden. All the people who were pushing saying, we have to get back to Camden, were all from South. They're all from El Dorado, Magnolia, or Smackover. Not from here. 
but they already love the people here and said, we want to have a presence in Camden. Again, they've secured an office. It's going to be downtown on East Washington Street, 126 East Washington Street. So if you know where El Ranchito is, it's all the, it's going further down. It's the next block down going towards the river. And they're having a ribbon cutting this week at that new office on Thursday at one o'clock. Kelly and I will be there. Uh, we'd love to have you join us there as we support them in doing this. Again, there's a lot of things where we want to do to help, but we don't know the best way to do it. They are already boots on the ground working and helping in these areas. And so we can give to them and also say, hey, m- maybe find out some new ways that we may be able to come alongside and, and help with needs that we didn't even know they had that we have the ability to do something about. So again, pray for them. Pray for yourself as we read things like one, Psalm 139. God, help me to see me the way that you see me. First of all, thank you that you don't see me the way I see myself. Thank you that you see me in a better light because of Jesus. And now, Lord, as I'm growing in that, help me to see the others in my life. It's not just people, you know, because we can kind of forget that other people are people too. Not just as people, but see them as you do, valuable, and as my neighbor. And then if you're encouraged to, I will tell you, we are going to make it a part of our regular missions giving from here at the church to the Hannah, Hannah Pregnancy Resource Center. We're going to commit that to them this year. We're, we're going to support them on a monthly basis out of your giving that comes in, just, just general giving to the church. And obviously anything you want to do above that, we will include because it is good ground. It is very much needed. Amen. And that's how we see transformation. Again, our goal isn't that abortion or murder or adultery or whatever these things are, that they be illegal. It's not the goal. The goal is that they be unfathomable. And they grow to that point as righteousness and justice roll and rule and reign from a good and gracious King Jesus Christ through his people. So as our minds are transformed in him, we're not conformed to the patterns of the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. As our minds are changed and our thoughts become more like his thoughts, our environment looks more like him. So when we're talking about sanctity of life, and I'm almost done. I went further than I meant to today. We're talking about sanctity of life. It is about our little, tiny, vulnerable neighbors. It is about them. And it's not just about them. It's about all of our neighbors. Every person that God would put in front of us that we can help, that we can love, that we can pray for. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you're big because we're not. And I thank you that you're wise and mighty because we are not. And I thank you that you have lovingly extended yourself to us. I thank you for how you see us in Psalm 139, that we can say along with David that I can lay in my bed at the end of a long day and just think about your goodness towards me. Think about how big you are, how much you love me, how much you care about me, how you saw me when I was hidden, how you saw me when I was rebellious and loved me anyway, how you care about my Life, Your thoughts towards me, they're, they're more than I can weigh out in my brain. But I rejoice in it and I give you praise 
over it. And I thank you that when I wake up the next morning, I'm still going to be with you. Lord, I thank you that you impact how we see ourselves. And I thank you that you impact how we see our neighbor. That as we follow that first command to love you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, Lord, that it affects how we love others because the second commandment is like it. And I thank you that you've got many, many, many that you want to bring out of darkness and into light. You want to bring hope and joy and peace to places where it has been in short supply. And I thank you for the Hannah Pregnancy Resource Center. I thank you for their commitment to showing and demonstrating Christ's love in these very specific and strategic ways. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to purpose in our heart. How can we help? How can we help them do what they do specifically in service to the community around us? Lord, we know we need and want change. And we know that it only is going to be beneficial if it comes from you. If you don't build the house, we labor in vain. And Father, I thank you that your kingdom come and your will be done in us, through us, and around us. In Jesus' name. Lord, as we go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. Lord, protect us and keep us safe. As we go through this week, that we would acknowledge you in all of our ways. And and Lord, that in that you'll direct our paths. That you'll give us everything that we need. You'll give us our daily bread because you love us that much. And I thank you, Lord, that you will help us to stir up the gift of your grace that is on the inside of us. To fan into flame that spark, Lord, so that it can burn brightly to our benefit and the benefit of those around us in the glory of you alone. We love you. We thank you for loving us. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.